welcome to Clinical Chats, a podcast for sexual and reproductive healthcare professionals. Clinical Chats, formerly known as the Family Planning Files, is a program of the Clinical Training Center for Sexual and Reproductive Health, or CTC-SRH, formerly known as the National Clinical Training Center for Family Planning, or NCTCFP, and is funded by the Office of Population Affairs in order to enhance the knowledge of Title X clinicians and other staff. Our guest speaker today is Anne Finn from our popular Coding with Anne series. Anne heads Anne Finn Consulting LLC, where she's a healthcare reimbursement and billing and coding consultant. Anne has worked as a national trainer with many reproductive healthcare organizations since establishing Anne Finn Consulting in 2003. Welcome back to the podcast, Anne. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you, Catherine, and hello to everyone. Welcome back to our latest podcast in our coding series. Today, we're going to talk about some key changes to E&M outpatient and office visit coding that took place back in January 2021. The outpatient guidelines continue to be updated with clarifications, including being able to count point-of-care tests as data for E&M level calculations. You should all now be using these guidelines when determining the optimal E&M code to bill for a client's visit. E&M stands for Evaluation and Management. E&M services represent a category of current procedural terminology or CPT codes used by physicians and other qualified healthcare professionals, such as nurse practitioners, physician assistants, or midwives for billing purposes. These codes are the core of most family planning visits and reflect the time and decision-making the clinician spends on providing patient care, often including family planning, STI testing and treatment, and other risk reduction counseling. There are two types of E&M codes commonly used in family planning visits. The first one is a preventive visit code, such as 99385 or 99396, based on the patient's age, which we refer to as the well visits, annual exams, and checkups. We are not going to focus on these today since they are not part of the new guideline changes. The second type of E&M code is a problem-oriented visit code, such as 99203 or 99214, depending on the level of services provided and if the patient is new or established to your practice. These codes are commonly used for healthy and sick patient visits and family planning for contraception, screening, counseling, and sick visits. Today, we will be focusing on these problem-oriented codes and highlight the key changes that impact your coding for family planning visits. Let's take a moment and look back at what was. So up until the end of 2020, providers would select an E&M visit code based on either the combination of three key components of the documented history, physical exam, and the medical decision-making or I would use a face-to-face time if more than half of the visit was spent on counseling and or coordination of care. These guidelines were hard to apply, and they didn't often capture the work done in family planning visits. So the American Medical Association, or the AMA, worked with many healthcare professionals to revise the guidelines and modify the MDM criteria to make them more clinically intuitive and to increase coding consistency among clinicians, coders, and payers, and release new guidelines that went into effect January 1st, 2021. We now determine the E&M code using either updated medical decision-making, or MDM, 
or total cumulative time on the date of the encounter. I think these guidelines are much more straightforward and easy to use. Make sure you are no longer using the old guidelines or tools that reference them. These are important changes, and it's important that you ensure your templates, your EHR, and your billing systems have been properly updated to reflect these changes to avoid billing denials and audit takebacks. So, Anne, can you tell us a little bit more about using the medical decision-making for the code selection? Yes, let's start with that. Let's dive in and look at the specifics. So when using MDM now, there's still a medically appropriate history taken and a physical exam performed and documented, but the nature and the extent of the history and or physical exam are determined by the treating clinician reporting the service. These two components no longer factor into the code determination. Medical decision-making now includes establishing the diagnosis, assessing the status of the condition, and or selecting a management option, and we use these three elements to determine the optimal code. The first element is the number and complexity of problem or problems the provider addresses with the encounter. Multiple new or established conditions may be addressed at the same time and may affect MDM. Symptoms may cluster around a specific diagnosis, and each symptom is not necessarily a unique condition. Comorbidities and underlying diseases in and of themselves are not considered in selecting a level of ENM services since they are addressed and their presence increases the amount and or complexity of data to be reviewed and analyzed or the risk of complications and or morbidity or mortality for patient management. So what are some common problems and what would you consider them? So if your client was an asymptomatic patient presenting for STI counseling only, This typically would be considered a self-limited or a minimal problem. A healthy patient presenting for comprehensive family planning and birth control, we would typically consider that a low-level problem. And a sick patient presenting with pelvic pain or one undiagnosed new problem with uncertain prognosis may be considered a moderate-level problem. The second element used in selecting the level of services is the amount and or complexity of data to be reviewed and or analyzed at the encounter. The new guidelines list three categories for the data element. One, tests, documents, orders, or independent historians. Two, independent test interpretation. And three, the discussion of management or test interpretation with external providers or appropriate sources, which refers to non-healthcare or non-family sources involved in patient management, such as a parole officer or a case manager. Here's a few coding tips when ordering and reviewing lab tests. Each single test ordered is considered one point. This does include common point-of-care tests, such as a urine pregnancy test or a rapid HIV test. The guidelines state tests that do not require separate interpretation, for example, tests that are results only and are analyzed as part of MDM, do not count as an independent interpretation and may be counted as ordered and reviewed for selecting an MDM level. The review of results is included with the order, so it's one point in total for ordering and reviewing each unique test. Next, you can count the review of test results only for tests that you didn't order. So if you are reviewing tests from an outside provider like a primary care physician, then you could count it. A panel, such as a complete blood count or CBC, is considered one unique test. If you order both a chlamydia and a gonorrhea test, 
That's two unique tests. So that counts as two data points. An independent historian is considered an individual, for example, a parent, guardian, surrogate, spouse, witness, who provides a history in addition to a history provided by the patient who is unable to provide a complete or reliable history, for example, due to a developmental stage or a mental health issue, or because a confirmatory history is judged to be necessary. The independent history does not need to be obtained in person but does need to be obtained directly from the historian providing the independent information. A combination of different data elements, for example, a combination of notes reviewed, tests ordered, tests reviewed, or an independent historian, allows these elements to be summed. It does not require each item, type, or category to be represented. A unique test ordered plus a note reviewed and an independent historian would be combined into three elements. An example of determining data using common labs ordered during a family planning visit include an in-house urine pregnancy test, an HIV rapid test, and a chlamydia and gonorrhea test that are ordered. These would be four unique tests or a moderate level of data. Our third element is the risk of complications and or morbidity or mortality of patient management decisions made at the visit associated with the patient's problems the diagnostic procedures, and treatments. A few examples of what might impact risk for common visits would be prescription drug and contraceptive management versus an over-the-counter drug or no treatment, decision regarding minor surgery or major surgery, diagnosis or treatment significantly limited by social determinants of health, such as a patient that is homeless, a prescription-level drug ordered or dispensed during a visit, such as oral contraceptive pills, Depo, or Alark, would be considered a moderate level of risk, whereas an over-the-counter drug is typically considered a low level of risk. Remember, anytime you are prescribing a prescription-level drug or contraceptive, you can count the risk as moderate. Let's look at Kiera, who presents to initiate contraception. She is otherwise healthy but is screened for pregnancy, HIV and chlamydia, and gonorrhea. Kiera is administered Depo-Provera at the end of the visit. The clinician spent 18 minutes total on the date of the encounter. Since Kiera is presenting with a single problem, the need for contraception to avoid pregnancy, this would fit to a low-level problem. Four unique lab tests ordered, including the two point-of-care tests, are considered a moderate level of data and last, we would assign a moderate level of risk based on Kiera being administered the Depo-Provera or prescription-level drug. That's a very helpful example. And once the provider has assessed the patient's problem, the amount of data, and the risk, how do we put it all together and determine the overall code? I know it seems complicated, but the more you use the MDM method, the more comfortable you will become by using MDM, and you'll see how quickly you can determine the overall code for common visits. So the overall medical decision-making is chosen based on the highest level that code is met or exceeded using two of the three MDM elements. In Kiera's example above, we determine that three MDM elements to be a low-level problem, a moderate data and a moderate risk. So the overall MDM level is moderate or a 99204 if a new patient and a 99214 if she's an established patient. And how do we use time or length of visit under the new guidelines? That's a great question, Catherine. Using time is really easy now. 
time for problem-oriented E&M visits is now based on the clinician's total cumulative time on the date of the encounter, rather than just the clinician's face-to-face time as in the past. This is a big shift and really important to go over with your clinical staff. Be careful to not include time and activities normally performed by other clinical staff, such as nurses, medical assistants, and or front desk staff, unless otherwise stated in your payer's policies. You also can't count the time spent on separately reported services, such as a LARC procedure, so documentation really matters. The new guidelines include examples of activities that occur that can be used when calculating the total time. Some examples include preparing to see the patient, so example, reviewing the tests or connecting to a telehealth platform before the visit, obtaining and or reviewing separately obtained history, performing a medically appropriate exam or evaluation, counseling and educating the patient, family, or caregiver, ordering medications or contraceptives, tests or procedures, referring and communicating with other healthcare professionals, documenting clinical information in the electronic or other health record, independently interpreting results that are not separately reported, and communicating the results to the family, the patient, the caregiver, and care coordination. So remember to clearly document all the time you spent on the day of the encounter on different tasks to support the ENM code build. I just want to mention again to not include time you spend on other separately reported procedures, such as a LARC insertion or a lesion removal or a colposcopy, be sure your documentation is clear. No double dipping here. Do check with your payers for their coding expectations. For example, a few family planning programs have opted to include nursing or staff time for contraceptive counseling when billing an E&M service. Let's look back at Kiara's visit to start contraception. The clinician documented a total of 18 minutes on the visit on the documentation. Kiara was an established patient. Using the time method and updated tables, the appropriate code would be 99212. So we calculated different codes using time and MDM. So which one can we use here? That's a great point. Remember, it's appropriate to use either method to determine the highest level ENM code for each visit. One method does not fit all visits, and it can be interchanged. We determined the ENM code for Kiara's visit was 99214 using MDM and 99212 using the time method. So we would choose the 99214 for billing. For visits that require extended time with the patient, there are prolonged service add-on codes that can be used. For example, visits over 74 minutes for a new client or 55 minutes for an established client. We're not going to go over these prolonged codes today, but if it applies, you can reference guidance on these codes through the AMA or ACOG. Finally, documentation matters, and it supports the code you built for services when reviewed by payers. Total time should be clearly documented in the visit note. To ensure quality coding, I always recommend updating templates to reflect these changes and offer spaces for total time to be easily captured in the note. Sharing and posting updated ENM coding tools, including the updated time and MDM tables for easy reference. Reviewing AMA and other ENM coding guidance to fully understand the criteria involved in determining the MDM level and time and what's included. Ensuring your staff is trained on these key changes, including not only clinical staff, but billing and administrative staff, as billing and coding is a team effort. 
doing some chart reviews within your practice on regular intervals with internal trained staff or an outside coder to ensure your team is accurately applying the new guidelines. And finally, offer feedback and time for discussion with your staff. Thanks for joining us today. And thank you, Anne, for joining us today and for sharing your time and expertise. For more content, including previous podcast episodes, search for Clinical Chats or subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For a transcript of this podcast, as well as other online learning activities and continuing education opportunities, please visit our website at www.ctcsrh.org. While you are there, you can sign up to receive our newsletter, Clinical Connections, at the top of the page. You can also follow the Clinical Training Center for Sexual and Reproductive Health on Twitter at CTCSRH, all lowercase, and on LinkedIn. The CTCSRH is funded by the Office of Population Affairs to provide continuing education, training, and technical assistance to Title X grantees, subrecipients, and service sites, and is supported by DHHS Grant Number 5, FPTPA 006031-02-00. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or medical advice or endorsement of specific products. Opinions expressed herein are the views of the contributors and do not necessarily reflect the official positions of the Department of Health and Human Services, or DHHS, Office of the Assistant Secretary of Health, or OASH, or the Office of Population Affairs, or OPA. No official support or endorsement by DHHS, OASH, and or OPA is intended or should be inferred. Theme music written by Dan Jones and performed by Dan Jones and the Squids. Other production support provided by the Collaborative to Advance Health Services at the University of Missouri-Kansas City School of Nursing and Health Studies. And finally, thank you to our listeners for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us next time for another episode of Clinical Chats.